0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the DTF Podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. My name is Rob Doster. I have with me... John Fanta live from the Big East Baseball Tournament. Uh, it's UConn and Georgetown. Are they about to play there, Fanta? Is that who you're yes, about to call?
2: They are. Huskies and Hoyas are about to play this afternoon, followed by the nightcap between Xavier and Seton Hall. UConn looking for a third consecutive Big East tournament crown. The Huskies <laughs> are. The Huskies are ranked ninth in the country. And yes, I'm coming to you from Mason, Ohio, and To. You've got some of these down in your neck of the woods. I I think that this view, this scenic view in my Marriott hotel room was by design. It's a Waffle House.
1: There we go. <laughs> now we're here. Good for you. Make your it, way over
2: there. I, I think I might. I think I might.
1: Hey, T.O., do you remember when we went to, uh, it was, I think we were in South Carolina, right? It was for the Rock, we were in Rock Hill for the Adidas event. And you tried to? Do you remember the buffet you tried to take us to, down there? Yeah, <laughs> it was
3: something. Everybody was starving.
1: Yeah, it was called like Big Bob's buffet or something. Yeah, like it, was, that.
3: It, it wasn't. It wasn't great. Like we walked in, it would have been fine. But we we got some hot. We got some. Uh, we got some royalty that was in that crew that refused to eat
1: there. <laughs> Me. We yeah. walked in. We walked in, and it was just kind of like the chicken fingers were in a. They were in water. When you looked at oh,
2: that's not good. That's true. It was. It wasn't.
1: You don't want to walk Is in. That, that? You could actually. Like, no, Fanta, we actually got greeted true. by the cockroaches. It was they, they were the ones that offered <laughs> us the menu and said, hey, where do you want to sit?" So I'll tell you how how high class those guys. They made a. They Goodman and Doster made the
3: waitress at Waffle House rope off our section. <laughs> that's like that's how that's how high class <laughs> they are. Whenever you have a roped off Waffle House section, you're big time, and that's what happened with Doster and Goodman. They refused to sit down. It's, it's true.
1: We sat in a wa- uh, in a roped off section at the Waffle House. We did not ask them to do that. They just. Yeah. Us there. I think they. All you know I what was it was, Theo? Say- they knew. We walked in. They were like, "Oh, these guys are important. We better put oh, them. No. I was yeah. in the VIP." Yeah. First yeah. time you ever got bottle service at a Waffle House? How about that?
2: Yeah, of syrup. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know what? You know what they thought? They thought, "Ooh, this one guy with them kind of looks scary." I actually think we're gonna rope him away from the rest of our customers they wanted to keep business flowing throughout the waffle house they didn't need this sucks that sucks throughout their business they needed to separate
1: yeah that's that it's never a good sign when you walk into the waffle house and they're like "Eh, you know what i don't know if i can uh i can deal with these guys yeah, hold on
3: that didn't happen because if for it for somebody at a waffle house to say "Eh, you gotta be in rough shape you gotta be in rough shape i love waffle house i tried to go there the other day but they didn't take apple pay waffle house is great however there are some shenanigans that occur in the waffle house
2: you went into a waffle house and thought that you could apple pay (laughs) you can in most
3: of them you can but they looked at me they're like hey next week we we got it coming next week
1: all right <laughs> They're
3: working on it. no
1: waffle house for tia i left my wallet at the house yeah there you go man that's my excuse usually too listen we got a lot to get into today Um, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about yukon's potential move to the big 12 and how much uh, i think we all hate it phantom was just at the combine so we're going to sprinkle a little bit of draft talk in here um and with one week until the nba draft deadline uh decision gets made We're going to talk about the most important and influential decisions that are left on the board. But before we do any of that, guys, literally 10 minutes before we hit record on this podcast, Kevin McCuller made the announcement that he is going to be returning to Kansas for uh, his second year with the Jayhawks. And what I believe is like his 17th year in college. I can't keep track of how old these kids and how long they stay in school anymore. But that means that we are now looking at a situation, T.O., where Kansas and Bill Self are going to roll out a lineup with DeJuan Harris at the point. Nick Timberlake, the Towson transfer at the two, Kevin McCullough at the three, KJ Adams at the four, and the big homie Hunter Dickinson at the five. Tell me why you have anyone other than Kansas at number one. They got to be it at this point, right?
3: Uh, they got to be one of two, and Duke's going to be the other one. But I'll be honest, uh, right now, as it stands, I'm going Kansas number one for for no other reason than fit. Uh, I mean, look at these guys. They've done it before. K.J. Adams was a small part of the national championship team. DeJuan Harris is really, really good. He was a starter on that national championship team. And then you add Timberlake, who can really shoot the basketball. McCuller, who's one of the best defensive players in the country. And then you go to Hunter Dickinson, who fits Bill Self like a glove who finally gets to get paid after making, what, 50 grand at, at Michigan? I thought, for the record, I don't buy that. Iffy. I don't Ify. buy that. I'm not sure i buy that either. But that all being said, I mean, w- when it comes to coaching style and player, Hunter Dickinson fits that to a T. Uh, their is really good. They've done it before, and now you add a weapon with skill at the five, something that even though Bill Self's had huge dudes at the five position, he's never really had quality skill. At the five position, Hunter Dickinson, size plus skill means trouble for the Big Twelve. I think I have to go with
2: Kansas. So I'm in agreement on everything that you just said, and I would vote Kansas too. And I also think with Kevin McCuller, not only are you talking about a defensive player.
3: Fo- focus Kansas
1: two T O O or T W O
2: <laughs> T O O as <Okay>. in <laughs> I would
1: question gotcha. number one. I was doing the same kind of mental math there to y'all. I was yeah. like, what what did he say? You.
2: I, I <laughs> okay. agree. I agree with you um on, on them being number one. And I, I think they should get voted as number one right now. And by the way, with McCullough, the switchability defensively, the way that he can dictate a game on that end of the floor, not to mention he averaged 11, 7, and close to three assists per game. Yep. Kevin McCullough sort of flies under the radar. Uh, but I'll tell you what, guys, that that guy is a Swiss Army knife and one of the better players you're going to find in the sport. I will play devil's advocate and be different. The reason why Duke can be argued as number one is that, in my opinion, if the last month of the season Tyrese Proctor carries right into this upcoming season and takes it up a notch, which I expect him to, if not a couple... The idea of Proctor and Jeremy Roach together bringing out the best in one another. And then in that front court, the fact that you can have Mark Mitchell and Kyle Filipowski and the freshman class that they have, like they've got a a, such a great blend and have had just about as much, not nearly as much because of the fact that Dickinson comes into Kansas and now you get this return news. But the fact is Duke's got the blend that people sometimes will criticize them for. Oh, you know, they're just so young. Oh, it's going to take them time. This Duke team, guys, in November should be great. And based on the way that the talent grew in one year and, and in maybe two, the last two months of the season, some of these guys, the way that they broke out of their shells, and then Paul Filipowski is just so, so, so steady. I love the kid. I think the fact that he did what he did as a freshman is scary for his sophomore year. But, man, you know, Robert Tio, I fell in love with Proctor late in the year. I just thought he was fantastic come March and the way that he played. And if Jeremy Roach can stay healthy, that backcourt duo to me, with what they have, with Jared McCain coming in as well, that that's where I wonder, okay, could Duke have a, a higher ceiling perhaps because these guys, the second year guys are are probably only going to go in one direction, not to mention a freshman class that that carries a ton of buzz. It's a matter of just how great will they be. They don't have a ton of pressure on them because you're going to have four starters back. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So my biggest thing with Kansas is do we trust the shooting enough, right? Timberlake going to knock him down, right? Yes. Dewan Harris shot 41% from three last season, but he was a guy that shot that number because a lot of defenses just kind of said, Hey, look, you know what? We're going to dare you to shoot. And he had games where he hit five of them and he had games where he hit none of them. Um, Hunter Dickinson shot 40 something percent from three. I don't know if he would necessarily qualify him as a shooter and using him as a floor spacer kind of completely nullifies what makes him so valuable in that offense. KJ Adams, not a guy you got to guard on the perimeter. Kevin McCullough throughout his career has not been a guy that you need to guard on the perimeter. So that is my biggest question is like you basically have one dude that you have to chase off the three point line when you're trying to throw the ball into Hunter Dickinson. That would be my one big question mark. But that's also just kind of like I'm nitpicking a little bit. Right. And I don't think that it necessarily matters with what Bill Self runs that that would be my one concern with them. And then with Duke, it's like, do they have a five man? That you trust? Can you play Philip House get the five all season long? And I think you might be able to, but you kind of lose an element of rim protection when you do that. But either way, here's my biggest issue with heading into the 2023-24 season with both of these teams is that they already put out the schedule for the Champions Classic. Duke is playing uh, Michigan State. Kansas is playing Kentucky. Like we need to, we need to fix this. This is a problem, fellas. We have the two best teams in college basketball that are going to be in the same city on the same night playing on the same court, and they're not going to be playing each other. What are we doing here? What is the point of having the Champions Classic yeah. if we can't get the two best teams in America to play each other? What is the problem? Who do I need to talk to, Fanta? Who do I need to get on the phone oh, with, Who I? Do mean, I how, what, what can we do to fix I this? I don't know these people. This is an injustice. This is an injustice. Yeah, <laughs> to the sport of college basketball.
2: Okay. Well hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. The, I I respect the rant, but but come on now. Michigan State could be argued as three. They could be argued as three or four in the country. Tell me I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, but they're not number one or two. There's no one that's gonna be arguing they're one or two.
2: Is there but you know there's voters out there, guys, right? Like, I, I want to get to There's T. a over. lot of
1: dumb people out there with an AP vote. You're right. Yeah,
2: I'm just gonna say if, right. I'm just gonna say T O you and I like We've talked about this, Rob. We've talked about this. Don't you think there's a guy out there that and, – and he might just be one, but there's got to be a couple – that they see Zach Eady come back to Purdue, and they're like, yep, number one or number two in the book for me. I'm telling you, they exist. Mm-hmm. Somebody will.
3: Somebody will. Is that breaking news, Fanta? Zach Eady's already announced he's coming back?
2: No, it's not breaking news, but for all no. <laughs> but we'll get to that. But I, I do think that um, you know what the other thing about Kansas is by virtue of who they are with Timberlake, all right? Uh, because he's going to be counted on to be their perimeter shot maker. Timberlake at Towson, he was the ball handler. He was the shot creator off the dribble. He was the like he he did so much for them. And I'm not suggesting that that uh, he's not going to flourish at Kansas. But Dickinson, so much of what Michigan did, everything about him, everything about him, because why not? Of course it's going to be about him. I'm always fascinated to see, and, and this is where Bill Self so great at what he does, how a bunch of guys that were the best player on their team now come together for a group – that systematically will play a terrific offensive style, how the ball pops between players who typically haven't popped the ball around because the offense is centered on them.
3: I would argue a little bit against that with Timberlake because Cam Holden had that ball in his hands a lot. Yeah. And and then they also featured Thompson quite a bit at the five. So he's used to playing off the ball some. And a lot of of the points, at least early in the season, came – Coming off screens, movement, some of those things like his ability to elevate and stop on a dime. I, I think he's a perfect fit for there, and I, I understand. I understand what you're saying, but I but I think the way he was able to generate points at the be- before Christmas, at least that's when I focused on him the most, right? Because I didn't have a Towson game after Christmas, but it was like. The way he was able to generate points, have his lower body strength, he's a good enough athlete. Like I, I think he's a perfect fit at Kansas for what they have, and he's played yeah. off of people before.
2: Do you worry about like the element of Dickinson touches uh, versus how Kansas plays with with pace? Did any any part of that say oh, no? Not I'm,
1: not for, not for me at all. Because uh, I think when you have, I think Bill Self is good enough that he can change what he does. To kind of tailor it to the pieces that he has. And if he's going to have Hunter Dickinson, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that dude's smart enough to figure out like, hey, you know what we should do? We should run some of that shit where we get our big guys to seal and get big guys post touches. You know how we got David McCormick to go for 23 and 12, the national title game? Like, Maybe we should run some of that stuff for the two-time All-American (laughs) <laughs> the greatest transfer in the history of transfers. Um,
3: I also like the lineup too, because if you want to play fast and have a rim runner, KJ Adams can fly.
1: Yeah, you can. You can mix it up. You can go small, and yeah, I, I would you, not be surprised.
3: That like,
2: yes. But,
3: but say if you want to say if you wanted KJ and Hunter in, the, in at the same time, because KJ runs so well and is such a good athlete, you could have him run the floor. Hunter can make some decisions out on the perimeter. He could be your trail guy, and then you could run some backside action to find ways to get in the ball. Like, are, you, uh,
1: are you looking forward to those uh, Hunter Dickinson, K.J. Adams, uh, four or five pick and rolls? Hunter Dickinson coming off throwing lobs to K.J. Adams. How about I'd that, okay Tio? <laughs> How about that, Tio? <laughs> little something different. A little something different. That's
3: where the um, NBA is going. Mm-hmm. Five-one ball screens. Yep. Yeah. Five four ball screens. Five, that's actually
1: bowls. that's actually how Bill Self was able to get Hunter Dickinson's commitment. Is Hunter's actually going to be playing point guard for Kansas next year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that nine hundred ninety nine thousand other reasons. Yeah, there you go. Um, real quick on Duke. Last thing, T.O., you're the you're the ACC guy. Um, what is your what's your biggest concern with them? Right? Because I think at this point, it's very hard to argue that they would be they should be preseason number one without saying you buy into Tyrese Proctor and Kyle Filipowski both being like top ten players in college basketball next year. what What is your um, – if there is a a concern that you have with them, what is it? Uh,
3: you know what? Are they going to be able to shoot it consistently enough? Proctor was good at times. He was bad at times. Roach, is, Roach can put it on the deck, but he's much more geared as a two. I think the point of them figuring it out is a huge thing. They won ten out of their last eleven. Mm -hmm. Like this is a Duke team that found their rhythm as a late, but it also coincided with the fact that Derek Lively was starting to get more minutes and be comfortable, especially on the defensive end. Who's going to be your rim protector, your high level rim protector. Sean Stewart's a great athlete not a good athlete. He's a great athlete. He's not seven feet tall. So like who's, where's your rim protection coming from? And regardless of what a lot of people think, like there's a lot of ways to protect the rim. One is taking charges. The other is blocking shots. I, I think, blocking shots, uh, there's something to be said there because it puts that seed of doubt in people's mind whenever they do drive to the hole. Uh, They relied a lot on Derek Lively on the defensive end. So I'm curious to see how that goes. Uh, Can they shoot the ball? You know, TJ Power is a really, really good shooter, and I think he's going to be a 21-year-old freshman. He's not, but he's old is my point. Uh, They're going to have some more shooting this year, and I think with Proctor uh, coming back – I think he's going to shoot the ball better. Who's going to be that rim protector is a is a big is a big question mark. But guys, they had a kid kind of lurking in the shadows last year, trying to figure it out. Christian Reeves, a seven foot one kid, that committed to them late, and I'm not sure if he did redshirt or didn't get a redshirt or did get a redshirt. But this is a guy with big time length and good athleticism. Is he going to be a guy that can step up and fill that role? Uh, to be determined. But I think rim protection is a huge thing for Duke. Yeah.
2: I agree. Yeah, I also think that we we just – the fact that we could be sitting here right now talking about why Kyle Filipowski and Tyrese Proctor could be top 20 picks in the NBA draft and they're both going to be at Cameron Indoor Stadium come November, that, that just – that's scary. If, if those guys continue on the trajectory they've been on, and not to mention Roach, I mean, in a close game late, Jeremy Roach is that dude.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think they have the the lineup build that you really want when it comes to college basketball in 2023, right? Like, you have two guys that can both be initiators at the point. You have a couple shooters around him. You have a, a a guy in Filipowski you could throw it to in the middle. I think they want – if they can add Ernest Ude out of the transfer portal, I, I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. I would uh, be interested to see – um, how many people go on their visit to a school as transfers and then like a week later still haven't committed and then still go back end up back at that program. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Um, I
3: can, can I a small rant, small rant, not a huge one. Dude, the, wearing the jerseys of other schools that you're not committing to, I think is really weird. Like, mean? like I, I just I I just remember getting my Clemson jersey. We they didn't used to do that. It was such a privilege to have the jersey with your name on it. And to take pictures with that Clemson jersey. Like picture day was a huge deal. Now everybody goes on their visit and they have a photo shoot with their jersey on and all that stuff. Is it not a privilege to put on a jersey of like a Duke? Does that make sense? Like you think it would be. Yeah. Think you learn how much Coach K was like, what like school is finally gonna say, like, no, you're not taking pictures in this jersey until until you commit here. If Duke's not gonna do it, no one's not gonna do it. That's what I'm saying. I yeah. I think it's strange. I, I just think that's strange. Like And then say say a kid takes a picture in a Duke jersey and he goes to North Carolina. It's like (laughs) I just think think it's so weird. You got to make the blow up of that weird thing that we're doing because it it was it was such a it's such a privilege to be able to have that jersey and then people are just taking pictures in them. I think it's strange. I think it's strange. But I know
1: I know that's not an important topic. But I I just think that's a weird thing. Yep, I agree. I agree. Our partner for today's episode is Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 during the college basketball season, and I loved the impact that it had on my energy levels. I'm a big coffee in the morning guy. But by the time that the afternoon would hit, I needed another boost. AG1 helped me tremendously, especially on those days when I didn't want to get up off the couch and go hit the gym. Their tagline is AG1 is comprehensive health and the power of habit in one. And man, that could not be more
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Um. All right. Well, uh, let's get into... We'll talk about the combine of the draft stuff here in a second. I, before we do that, I want to talk about the potential of UConn moving to the Big 12 because it seems like that has... Over the course of the last like 10 days to two weeks, it's kind of taken on some steam and it's kind of uh, taken on a life of its own. So, um, Fanta, before I go on my rant, because I got to rant about it, Fanta, I'll I'll let you guys go and and say what you got to say about it. Do you, I guess the likelihood that it happens and and what would it mean um, if it did?
2: Well, we're a basketball podcast. And a year ago, if you had mentioned this, it would have been dismissed immediately. But it's amazing because it wouldn't have been brought up a year ago. Uh, what a difference! And this is our world: a six and seven football season, and an appearance in the Myrtle Beach ball. <laughs> what a difference that makes! Because honestly, that's that's what has led to to. The, the discussions progressing and potentially becoming reality. When Brett Yormark took over as Big 12 commissioner, he held media availabilities with different national media and reporters who would be interested in speaking with him. And I actually spent a half hour talking to him on the phone. And I said to him, what, what's your vision to do something with this league that hasn't been done? And he was very clear at the top of the answer. And he said, I want to get into the New York market. I want to get into the metropolitan area. And I said, well, how do you do that? I said, do you play games at the garden? Do you play a double header at the garden? You've got Kansas city as your conference tournament. And he wouldn't let on of, of how exactly uh, he planned to do it, but this is exactly how you, you would plan to do it. You bring in a Yukon who, even though it's in Connecticut folks, it's in the, the, When they go to Madison Square Garden, they fill the building. It's an additional home. All of that area, easy to access by train. The point is they they own that part of the country as a brand. This is a football-powered move. Don't let it be confused with anything that people say. When the narrative gets brought up that all sports are being considered or that it's a move for everybody, If they go to the Big 12, look, there's not another goal in place at the top of the chart than to parlay your six and seven football season with Jim Mora, who did a very nice job in year one, and a Myrtle Beach Bowl appearance, parlay that into a league where, yes, it just so happens to also be the best men's basketball conference over the last five years, and your basketball program will go in there and and join the successful level. You're not going to have the same buzz around Connecticut and Oklahoma State or Connecticut and Iowa State that you would with Connecticut and Villanova and Connecticut and St. John's now. But, guys, we knew this. That's the amazing thing about it. UConn has sold their soul to progress in football because they've got this vision for football. And it just goes to show you that when you're chasing that, that that golden goose, if you will, when you're chasing that, you never stop, stop being in love with that ultimate goal. This is a philosophical thing. And the philosophy is rooted in one thing, dollars. If UConn makes the move to the Big Twelve, it is because of football, and because football possesses more money.
1: At the the last sentence is the most important one because the UConn athletic department is it operates at a very large deficit. They they need they need that paycheck, right? That that's that's something that would allow them to function at a level that the the program or the the athletic department wants to be able to function at. They're broke. Did not uh, they just make
3: just, a massive investment in their football complex too? Not too long ago.
1: Yeah, they, they they are they they did, but they're 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 broke. the The home, the stadium, there sucks. Like the, it's in East Hartford. It's not close to the. Uh, it's not close to the, to the campus, and like I, I, nothing I do think is close to that campus. Nothing is close to that campus. Yeah, the, I, I think the the thing that people kind of fall in love with is they made that one BCS bowl, and I think it was two thousand and eight maybe when they played Oklahoma and got smacked by Oklahoma they were like eight and four in the Big East tri-champs and they were outgained on the entire season in terms of yards but they somehow managed 2011
2: to they, Fiesta Bowl. 2011. Yeah, they,
1: they they managed to like because of some tiebreakers they were able to sneak their way into a Fiesta Bowl and that was like the end of a four-year run where they were actually pretty good um in like Big East uh standards so That's what kind of led to the move to the American. But I think it's also important to remember, like what happened when they went to the American. Right, one, the American turned into like one of the worst basketball conferences in America and a horrible football conference too. The UConn basketball program made it to after they won the title in 2014, which was as fluky as any title we've ever seen. After that, they made one of the next six NCAA tournaments. Right, they drove their best product into the ground, chasing. Football glory that is probably never going to come. You're the university. It's not going to come. It's not. You're not come. Florida. You're not Tennessee. You're not Texas. You're. It's. You're never going to like. You're. You're chasing mediocrity in football, and you're sacrificing what may be the best basketball program in the in the world. And I also think it's important to say this, right? Big East basketball this season is, for, for my money, right. And I say this as somebody with a Big East bias and a very clear Big East bias, is. About as appealing and enticing and as exciting as it's been since like 2011, since that year when they had three teams that were one season in the NCAA tournament, right? UConn didn't come back to the Big East and save Big East basketball. That's not what happened here, right? Yes, they won a national title. Yes, they're back to being one of the most prominent programs, this, that, and the third. The Big East saved UConn basketball because if UConn stayed in the American, they they wouldn't be at this level. Right, if there wasn't some inkling that they were going to make it back to the big east, they wouldn't have been able to hire Dan Hurley when Pitt and the ACC was calling for more money for the record. Um, they wouldn't have been able to go out and land some of the recruits that they're landing. You'd think Stephen Castle is going to a program in the American that's sitting in the middle of the conference, right? Like people forget that in Dan Hurley's first year in the American, they went six and 12, they had the same record as SMU, they were behind Tulsa. They were behind South Florida. They were behind Temple. They were behind UCF, right? The only teams that were worse than them in that league were East Carolina and Tulane. They were a very bad basketball program at that point. The reason why they are back, the reason why they are relevant, the reason why UConn is back at a point where they can win national titles is because the Big East extended a hand and said, hey, look, you know what? No hard feelings. You can come on home. Now what they're doing is they're they're, they're flirting with making another run getting a paycheck and i get it every the money trumps all and you need money and the 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 athletic department is broke whatever i think that it would be you would be making a much smarter decision a much more loyal decision um thanking the people that brought you back to prominence uh by saying you know what we're going to follow like the villanova model we're going to send our football program which is never going to be something that's good to the FCS ranks. We're going to dominate there. We're going to have success there. We're going to let the diehards that love UConn football be able to go out and actually watch them win games, right? And we're going to stay in the Big East, and we're going to stay home, and we're going to do what we do best instead of chasing the glory and sending all of our athletes and all of our players to places like Lubbock, to places like Provo, Utah in the middle of the week, to places all over different parts of the country, all like just the the idea that you're going to go through all of this travel, just to chase the money from a conference, who, by the way, is losing their two biggest programs and their two biggest brands in Texas and Oklahoma because they don't trust that, that conference is going to be able to stick together. It just it feels like you're chasing a paycheck to go to a league that is on just as unstable ground as the Big East was in 2011 that first wave of conference realignment was going. You're just going there and waiting for everybody else to jump ship. If Texas and Oklahoma don't want to be there, why is UConn going? Why are you associating yourselves with such powerhouse football programs like the University of uh, Central Florida and be like, come on, man. Like it just it makes absolutely no sense. I think that you would be ruining the best thing that ever happened to the program in terms of the Big East welcoming you back when they didn't have to. And it's it seems like an awful decision to chase a bag that like 10 percent of the UConn alumni base actually wants
3: funny funny that they claim to be the basketball capital of the world and then they put basketball on the back burner seems a, seems yeah. a little bit
1: yeah. you're not you're not you're not wrong you're not wrong and i hate it i hate everything about i understand it. football i understand a football quick quick
3: quick story i thought it was funny where you said well how the myrtle beach bowl changes things i was playing blackjack with Dabo one time who by the way is worth 100 million dollars he's playing five dollar hands besides me and he's like he goes uh he goes, Man, I'd love to come down to Bahamas more. That's where we were at. And he goes, uh, I was like, Well, they do have a bowl down here. He goes, Well, if I play in that bowl, I'm getting fired. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, UConn thinks they make the Myrtle Beach bowl and they should jump ship to the Big 12, which is hilarious. Uh, no, I, it's a look, I, I understand that dollars and the cents, you would lose a lot of your mystique. You, you really would. And to, to kind of go along with your point, Rob, it, you say UConn operates at a deficit. I think every school operates at a deficit. Every school. Well said. Every school operates at a deficit. It's a matter of how you manage that deficit or how you make it look like a deficit. Uh, so uh, I, I think it would be a bad move. I, I think there's a lot of excitement about you around UConn being in the Big East. It, it's revived that basketball program. Uh, why they're chasing football money. Uh, I, I understand money is money, but – you're taking away what was what is literally magic uh in the northeast and that is the big east so i i would be really disappointed to see it happen i think them in the big east is good for the big east it's a it's a reciprocal relationship there Uh, the the big east certainly uh benefits from it however if they do go how much does it I think this is a bigger loss for UConn than it would be the Big East because the Big East has so many other things going right now. There's a lot going on in the Big East that are positive. Uh, it would be a it'd be a win for the pocketbook. It'd be a loss in our heart. That'd be for sure. And I and I'm not doubting that they'll do it because they've already done it by going to the American. So that's like right. that's there. There's precedent there.
1: So that it 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 just feels gross. You the know what the worst part gross. about That's it is? That's
3: the best way I can describe it. It just feels gross.
1: You know what the worst part about it is, T.O.? It's, it's, UConn is considering um, blowing up the best thing that ever happened to them three years after they made it back, three years after they were able to reinvigorate uh, a fan base that had, frankly, gone by the wayside, right? Like, you weren't selling out Gamble Pavilion when you were 14 and 18 in the American. You weren't yeah. having people stay up to watch – you play on the road to go to Tulsa. I don't think there are going to be people that stay up to watch you come play on the road if they're going to, like, BYU or playing at Central Florida or playing at Texas Tech or playing at some of these other programs. Um, but the worst part about it is you are risking all of this. You are risking alienating people, and you're not even the Again. first call. You're Again. not even the first call, right? You are you are the backup option. This is like the people that sat there waiting for uh, – like the, the the prom dates to show up, and it's like you're the third one on the list. It's like, well, first they they he has to say no, and then he has to say no, and then he has to say no, and then maybe I'm going to have a chance to actually get in there on that. It's just like, what do you? You're not. They want they want Arizona, they want Arizona State, they want Utah, and they want Colorado. You are right. way down on that list, and you are sitting here waiting to, It just, I hate it. What I, I will it, what I will it, say it's mark. Brett your mark your mark that's the yeah, com- right, commission right. here
3: here's he has said in the past that he thinks basketball is an underrated revenue generator he has said that so obviously it's a huge basketball move for them as well It's just well we'll let you drag your
1: Myrtle beach football program with i you. mean you you have to if you're the big 12 commissioner you have to say that like yeah. you don't have yeah you just yeah, love nobody gotta
3: say it but that's why you, but that's why you go after some of the schools you went after. Because mm-hmm. you're putting basketball at the forefront as far as sum up, I mean, why yeah, would they go uh, after UConn? Why would they go uh, after UConn?
2: I mean, getting Cincinnati, they've seen Cincinnati do what they've done on the football field. Look at look at the current state of Cincinnati basketball. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. very good. I
1: mean, T.O., why would you go? Why would the Big Twelve go after UConn for the same reason that the Big Ten went after Rutgers? Yeah. Well,
2: just, why did the Big Twelve go? On. Why did the Big Twelve go after UCF? Because UCF made it to a New Year's Day bowl. And, and showed what could happen down in Central Florida in a big market. I looked up two things, okay, while we were talking through this. 2011 Fiesta Bowl, guys. Went back on the Wikipedia page for the bowl game. You'll love this. Pre-game coverage focused on Oklahoma's struggles in past BCS games. Oklahoma won the game 48-20. to 20. They didn't struggle on this day. As well as Connecticut's difficulties in selling their designated ticket allotment from the Fiesta Bowl. Mm -hmm. They made a BCS bowl game and they struggled to sell their ticket allotment for one of the biggest football games of the entire year. And here's the other thing when UConn came back, guys, I can't tell you how many of the coaches. In the core in the Northeast corridor, we were immediately saying one one coach in particular who said, Yeah, I was beating UConn almost every time. I mean, if if you put together 10 10 kids, 10 high school kids, it's different lately with the portal and whatnot. If you put up 10 high school kids, I was beating UConn eight or nine. Eight or nine times. Seriously. That's when they were in the American. He said, now going up against them, I'm 0 for 10. I All can't right. I, when they came back to the Big East, I'm 0 for 10 mm-hmm. when, they, when they came back to the league. So the recruiting angle to this and where kids want to play. Like these these players' families love going down to Villanova, going down to Georgetown, going to Seton Hall. It's easy. Think these people want to hop on planes and go to Stillwater? No.
1: Do you know how hard it is to get to Manhattan, Kansas? I went no. from the East Coast to Manhattan, Kansas. Do you know how hard it is? Listen to how the, what I had to do to get to Manhattan, Kansas, right? I had to fly to Philadelphia, or I had to drive to Philadelphia. I had to take a flight from Philadelphia to Chicago. I had to have a layover in Chicago. I had to fly from Chicago to Kansas City. I had to sit there in Kansas City, and I had to drive two and a half hours from Kansas City to Manhattan, Kansas. You know where they want to go? They want to go to Manhattan, New York City. UConn fans don't want to go to Manhattan, Kansas. Keep stay home, stay where you love, stay where you want it, stay where you need it. All right, let's talk about this NBA draft. We gotta we gotta get into some combine stuff here. Fanta, I know you were there. Give me out of everybody that you watched there, give me like one or two guys that stood out that really kind of broke out that maybe used the combine to kind of elevate their. Uh, their chances to get drafted. There's one guy that stands out in my mind. He's actually a Big East player. I'm curious to see if you're going to end up mentioning him. But who who really helped themselves at the Combine?
2: It's got to be the name that I think a lot of the country may not have known a lot about. But you guys follow College Hoops daily, so you knew something about him. He lit the Combine on fire with his game and personality. Ben Shepherd from Belmont. had a. I had
3: them against Furman, man. He's really good.
2: He had a great NBA combine Terrence at six foot six to be able to score 25 points in in his second game couple of assists two steals he played just 20 minutes he read the game really well coming off screens catch and shoot opportunities keeping the turnovers down actually as a ball distributor like I thought he passed the ball pretty well he found Drew Timmy in a sequence this is a guy that finished second in the Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year voting to Tucker DeVries. We all know Tucker DeVries and what he did at Drake, but I think that's why Shepard may have gone a little bit overshadowed with Belmont. I just thought he was fantastic in the way that he shot the basketball in his feel for the game. He shot 50% from three in the combine. Mm -hmm. And, guys, like the NBA collective bargaining agreement is going to have these guys have every participant in the draft – come out to Chicago next year. That doesn't mean they're scrimmaging. Scrimmaging isn't required. There's no question that that the combine didn't doesn't have the same buzz because you're not getting a lot of the first-round prospects in those scrimmages. But you shouldn't discredit the guys who are out there playing their asses off and trying to get better and build up their stock. And I thought Shepard turned heads. I thought he had people saying, whoa, who's this guy? So he would be one. Uh, two would be Marquette's. Olivier Maxence prosper six foot eight, really athletic. The shot making is there. And when I was talking with scouts, evaluators in Chicago hotel lobbies throughout the week, his name kept coming up because the positional size and versatility is there. And it was there throughout action. I thought he really helped himself as well. And the other guy, I would say the third guy that really stood out to me, this name won't surprise you feel for the game shot making. Six foot six, mature. Seth Lundy from Penn State. That guy helped himself. And I think you're going to see a team take a flyer on him that, that fully believes, hey, we could see him as a rotation piece that's coming off screens and, and making shots for us.
1: Teal?
3: I mean, there's a couple of guys. Uh, Seth Lundy a guy that sticks out to me just because physically he's kind of mature, broad shoulders, can switch one through four in certain lineups in the NBA. He, he reminds me of somebody that would play for the Heat, like just kind of finds his way to get there. And the Heat, by the way, so much fun to watch. Jimmy Butler, my favorite player, period. He's two years younger than me. He's my favorite player. I feel like a child. Uh, that doesn't <laughs> help things. Uh, Amari Bailey's a guy – that really his athleticism. you got to throw him in there, his ability to make some decisions. Uh, people didn't really know what to expect. People forgot, like, this is a top four or five player in his class and then played alongside some really old dudes. I think he helped himself. And uh, th- there's some other things there. Julian Phillips, what did he test? A 43-inch max vert? Like, come on, man, that's my guy. You guys can't – floor is Corey Brewer. That's my guy. I'm happy for him. And then uh, just because I'm at where I'm at and I'm drinking out of a Clemson Cup, uh, Hunter Tyson, P.J. Hall, both got called up from the G League to the draft to the NBA yeah. combine. P.J., I thought, played really well. He is a jump-shooting Jeff Foster, and people who don't remember who that is, he played for the Pacers a long time ago. So uh, those guys helped themselves. And uh, Hunter Tyson's interesting because, he, you know, he's he measured taller than what I thought he would – six, seven-and-a-half barefoot, Uh, and then a six, nine-and-a-half wingspan. So that changed some things. He can guard. He's a smart positional defender, and he can really shoot the basketball. Throw in the fact that he really rebounds. Uh, He's not a draft guy unless somebody takes him at, like, 59. But he is somebody that could go find a role and then end up just kind of hanging around
1: because he's a character kid and he can shoot the ball. So that helps. So the Omax was the guy that really stood out to me from yeah. from just kind of watching and, and and talking with some people um I think the you, you want to see a little bit more from him from a shooting perspective, but I think people kind of really got a glimpse at like okay, this dude is six seven this dude's got like a seven two wingspan. this dude's a freak athlete. If you want to know what he can do, just go watch the tape of the Marquette Yukon game from the semifinals of the big East tournament and watch this dude completely shut down and flummox. Jordan Hawkins. It's not easy to flummox Jordan Hawkins and he had him flummox. Um, the other name that that kind of stood out to me um from talking with people TO and and also the performances he had some of the scrimmage, your guy Amari Bailey. I know you're really high on this dude, but he I think there was one game he had 19 and eight assists, no turnovers. Um, he played on the ball more at the combine than he did uh when he was playing with Tiger Campbell. I think people kind of got to see that a little bit. You accentuate
3: your athleticism in that open setting. Yeah. Like, guys that can really push it and move, and he's one of those guys, like, you can really show those things. Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I just – I know that you love that dude, and and he was someone that I think kind of played his way into um, potentially – but you said – we did the draft profile of him, and I'm pretty sure you said you would take him somewhere in like the late teens, early 20s, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that – I don't know if he'll go quite that high, but I I think that there's going to be some buzz about him as a potential late first-round pick, early second-round pick. Here's a guy that I think is not getting anywhere near enough attention. Um, and you're going to call me a homer, T.O., and I don't care if you do. Adama sonogo Adama Sinogo, Okay. I think that he is someone. I don't know if he's going to get drafted. I think he'll – I would take him with the second-round pick. But I think if you watch what Xavier Tolman has done with Memphis, if you watch the role that Kevin Looney has, embla- has embraced playing for Looney's home Kevin Looney's 70 tall now. No I know but but Adamo like he's he's 67 but he's got a 7 foot 3 wingspan he's a lot bigger than people realize. I think that he is a guy that um can do a very specific job if you get him into the league. I think he's better than what people realize on the defensive end. I think he thinks the game defensively. He's only been playing for 6 years. Every year you watch him add another piece to his arsenal, another weapon to his game. This year was the three point shooting and the ability to defend on the perimeter. And I think that once he adds the ability to read the game as a passer, which I think will come in the next year or two. I think he's a rotation player in the NBA for eight years. I, I think. think he is going to be a very good player for Olympiakos. That could be true too. I think that's, that's true more too. Likely. It's all, to me, like, likely. Yeah, to me, the difference between that and being someone like a playing, not not specifically Kevon Looney's skill set, but playing a role like Kevon Looney is going to be finding the right fit. And that's what it is for a lot of these fringe guys. But he whatever That's happened, everything. Yes. That's everything past number 15. Yes. yes. Everything.
2: I'm gonna tell you, and and to that point, you know, the the take that, that I sort of had off the combine was we we live in this world where age gets criticized. Like, oh well he's 23. I'm not I don't know if I'm interested. Well what if he's just what if he's a really good 10 to 12 year player? You're not interested because he's he's not 20? Like that's the sense I get with a guy that that I think he won't be taken in the top twenty. But to me, if he's around past twenty five, God, there's a lot worse worse picks you can make after that point,
3: point. Mm-hmm. and that's
2: Jaime Jaquez. Jaime Jaquez,
3: who tested well, who tested well,
2: tested, tested great. Rob, you tweeted about it. I mean, thirty mm-hmm. nine inch vert, you know. He comes onto the floor at Win Trust Arena. It's quiet, right? And you just look down, you see this head of hair, you know, and you just got this guy. He looks like he just, again, he always looks like the college kid. Like, he looks like he just rolled out of bed. He's He's got his stuff on. <laughs> and this guy's just going through testing. And his hair's flying all over the place. He's got sweat pouring down his face. And it's just like, this guy is here to compete his butt off. And that's what he did for Mick Cronin. Comes from great coaching. Won at a high level in March. You just said it to He tested well. And was he not a winner? You know, sometimes these guys at Villanova the last decade have been taken, like, at the very end of the first round or into the second round. Yeah. But I would always look at him and be like, well, all these guys did is win. They're going to impact winning. I'll tell you, if Jaime Jaquez doesn't impact winning for a club – I'll be surprised because, man, he's done an awful lot of it over the last four years.
1: All right, so my next question was going to be the most underrated prospect that you had in this draft class, and I was going to go with Jaime. So I'm oh, going to go to right. UTO while I think of somebody else to, to come up with. Most underrated player in this draft class.
3: That's a hard one. Uh, I, to me, like, there's a lot of guys in this draft class past 15 that you could plug with the right situation and be good players. Like, I think Seth Lundy is a good player. He's just a good, solid player. Is he going to be an all-star? No, but he's going to be a good player. I, guys, I, I keep going back to him, and I'm I'm probably going to be. I, I hope I'm proven right. But uh, Julian Phillips' floor is Corey Brewer. It's a matter if he can shoot
1: it. I've seen him shoot it. I've seen him shoot it. He, he shot it well shots. in the combine. He had he him in like there was a I think one of the the three point shooting things that they did. Both him and Andre Jackson made like sixteen of them. 16 to 25. Yeah, 16 to 25. He's a better shooter than that. I, like, it is just kind of like, where did that come from? Those two yeah. dudes? I thought they couldn't shoot.
3: Yeah, he's going to be able to shoot it. I, I think the guy's a 35 to 40 percent three point shooter. He's an excellent athlete. Obviously, he's functionally strong, and he can really guard. So, like, you go somewhere like in Oklahoma City where you have playmakers in place. You have it. You need to have a guy on the wings who can finish and and knock down threes and really play good defense. He he could be that guy uh you don't have to worry about character i'm telling you he he just took such a slap by going to tennessee that like it's uh it's really hurt his draft stock he he's going to be a good player for a long time whoever gets him is going to be thrilled with him
1: all right i got i got one for you here and i don't know if you guys are going to call me crazy but kobe buffkin um i think that if you go back and and i did one of the uh the prospect profiles on on buffkin with greg and I, i'm not going to lie didn't watch a ton of Michigan basketball down the stretch of the season. If you go back and watch Buffkin's film from the last about like six to eight weeks of the college basketball season, he's a dude, six foot four. He's crafty. He's explosive enough to dunk on you. I think he's got all the reads coming off of ball screens. He is elite finishing around the basket. He's got the floater game. He can make threes. uh, What does underrated mean? What do you mean?
3: What does underrated mean?
1: I, I don't know if a lot of people know who Kobe Bufkin is, and I would not be surprised to see him be like a top. He's 15 a projected kid. lottery pick, Rob. A top fifteen is he? Is that like a is that a thing now? Yeah, projected yeah. lottery.
3: Oh, okay. My bad. My bad. He's, anyway, He's a good player. He's a good player. Keep going. Yeah. Keep going.
1: No, no. I just I, I don't know a lot of people that that are paying attention to this kid. I, I think like that's a guy. good point.
3: Not like yeah. for example, had I not read up on it prior to coming on here, like I would have thought like I'm not saying you didn't, but you were, you were searching because we
1: took yours, but it's like he's, he's a kid. He needs he's a guy attention. that
3: nobody knew about because nobody paid attention to Michigan. And so here here's the fair. wildest
1: thing. Fair here's the wildest wild. thing. Wildest stat that I found about him. He is younger than Jed Howard. He's a sophomore. Kobe Buffkin is a sophomore. He is younger than freshman Jed Howard. You talk about age, Fanta. I think that where age matters, it's not about how old you are. It's about how young you are, right? If you could find these guys that are performing at a level that is a little bit unexpected that are younger than people realize, especially when they're in the like eighteen to nineteen year range, because that that's such an important year for development. Those Dude, it, are the guys. It,
3: it changes. It changes you fifty spots. You remember what happened with Laravia?
1: Yeah, like somebody
3: put his age on Wikipedia wrong, and as soon as they got that fixed, <laughs> like he goes up into the back end of the first round. Yeah, it's, huge. it's can I, huge.
2: So I'm sorry for stealing hot from you. I had no idea you were going there. Can I, <laughs> can I tell you the guy that that? Got a lot of like. I I can't wait to see Terrence's reaction to this because I, you know, you're sitting in Chicago and, you know, you these got these evaluators like when you're not looking at the top prospects because they're not there. There were a couple, and I'm not going to name them because I don't want to disparage the kids. But my favorite my favorite scout comments at the combine were I almost put out my drink a couple times it like look at look at me and they go who invited him <laughs> who invited him What? who invited him there was one at G League League camp like we're talking this guy was jacking up half court shots i'm not going to disparage the name but you know who got a lot of buzz and i just i was kind of chuckling to myself gregory jackson the second baby gg jackson had had the scouts and evaluators talking about him oh i i you know i see it athleticism i see it i know teo that's the thing like he could end up being a, a good nba player
1: i think he's going to be a good nba player
2: how about I, that I think,
3: I think he, dude a your pick you're, you're if you're a highly talented type five kid dude don't just think you can go wherever and be okay <laughs> like don't just think like like this is going to be fine like, I, everything's good. Like, don't go to South Carolina thinking you're going to be the savior and be like, this is going to be okay. especially so so when you're 17. Was, the, you I, understand the, I understand December. the bag was sex. Dude, think if he would have gone to North Carolina and he would have been given all these excuses. He would have gotten Marvin Williams and been a top 10 pick.
2: Why did, like, why think did about Lamont it. do that? Why did Lamont do that other than the kids' talented?
3: Uh, He's he's from right down the road. He's from Columbia. And, you know, it's kind of like the son coming home. Both parents went to went to South Carolina. Like there's a lot of backstory there.
1: However.
3: Pay attention to where you're going and what your role
1: could be. You, you know what Pay you, attention you need to, need to tell you, you need to Where tell you your going? people down yeah. in south carolina you don't need to tell me and fan of that you need to tell your top five top 10 prospects from south carolina that your boy julian phillips your boy gg jackson get your stay in
3: line it would be different if, if will wade was still at lsu his season would have been different i can
2: promise you come on coach O.
1: yeah i i, I can <laughs> promise you his his season would have been different
2: You're all right
1: there. um I think we all agree Zach Eady is the single most important and most influential will-he-stay-or-will-he-go decision in college basketball. Can we agree on that?
2: Yeah, and he's coming we, back to college. You think so? I really do. I yeah.
1: I I don't know.
2: Oh, come on.
1: I don't know. I don't think it's as – I don't think it's as much – I if I was a betting man, I would bet on him coming back, but I think that he is – I don't want to say this is all a guess. I don't have any insight information on this, but it, it feels like he is trying to find a, like, a way to get to the professional ranks. Like I think he wants to go to the league, but if it's a decision where like, okay, you come back, you're going to make more money when you're at Purdue with NIL stuff, that'll that will be a it's
3: difficult. I Purdue
1: didn't have any NIL stuff. They do. They're, 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 so they're starting to get it together. They're getting well, in line. They'd
2: scheduled, they'd scheduled they scheduled to in Canada.
1: Yeah, they're playing Alabama in Canada to be able to allow, like, and, and it, you don't, it doesn't have to be that way. Like if there's.
2: Didn't work there's, out for Alabama.
1: Yeah. It didn't work out for Alabama.
2: Eddie <laughs> Goodbye.
1: No See you later, man. um So beyond Zach Eady Co who's the most important, influential, however you want to phrase it, the guy that you're paying attention to the most right now on whether or not they are going. Who, to- who
3: all do Come we down. have left? Like I'm just kind of going through individually for each team, like huge one. Let's be honest. Like, uh, P.J. Hall needs to come back to Clemson because you put him back on Clemson, they're going to be good. They're not going to be great. They're going to be good. Uh, Zach Eady, far and away. Trey Alexander's big. Uh, I I think if Trey Alexander goes back to Creighton, he's going to have a bigger expanded role because Nimbard's gone. kaluma has gone. He's going to be much more featured. Is Kalk Brenner, he's still in limbo, according
1: to Borzello. What's his situation? I, I would be very surprised if he didn't come back.
2: He's coming back. He's engaged yeah. to to Rachel Saunders on the women's team there at Creighton. He'll How tall here. is she? Uh, not tall.
3: That mistake, mistake.
2: What?
3: <laughs> mistake. Hey, mistake. don't question the At as least low. six one. Hey, don't do. Hey, don't do what my dad did. You trying to tell me if I wasn't four inches taller, my paycheck would have been She's different?
2: Five. She's five nine.
3: <laughs> ah, she'd be, be okay. He'll get a couple of six sevens out of that. You get a couple of six, sevens out of that. You got to think about All these right. things, Fanty. You don't think about these things. Like you got to, you get, you got to think about potential down the road. What's your nest
2: egg? Yeah. i thought What's about your... my parents by virtue of the YouTube chat and I got in trouble for that. So <laughs> I'm not going down. I, I'm not talking about reproductive organs. On the-
3: Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> That's not where I was going with this, but I'm just saying, you got to look ahead. Here, Here's a here, prime example. When I first met my wife, I was like, she's great. She's a loving woman. She's going to be a great mother. I got to see her run. I got to see her run. I took oh my her. To, God. I took her. I took her to Piedmont. I'm not kidding you. I took her to Piedmont Park in Atlanta just to see her sprint because I was like, let's go throw some frisbee. That threw a frisbee. I was like, go get it. And I kind of gave her a bad one because she was feeling. You know, she was feeling. Dude, flying high knees, legs trailing. She can go, son. She can hey. go. If T-O. nothing else, they're not going to be tall, but they're going to be fast. You did a combine. Yo, Tio, you're not you Tio,
1: you are 100% correct. I'm going to tell yes, you a story as well. Thank you. So, my wife not only was a gymnast growing up, after <laughs> once she, she got out of college and and was looking for something else to pursue, uh she became a long distance runner. So they don't have to worry about the. Uh, they got the hype from me, right? Be able to. That's get, not a marriage
3: wide thing, is yeah. it? The distance running. That's not dude, a marriage wide thing. Is
1: no, it? definitely not. Running away.
3: No, she Like <laughs> she,
1: she wins races. She wins races for her age group. It's insane. She could beat,
2: she could beat your ass,
1: dude. It's she'll she'll be like. I have stopped. I can't. I can't. She used to always be like, "You should come running with me," and, and I was like, "Are you going to stay with me?" She'd be like, "Yeah." So she'll jog for like a half mile with me, and then just take off running. I'm like, "This is this this fucking sucks. This Why am demean- I out here right now? Demean- I'm not. Demean- we're not running together. I'm nothing else. Run-
3: that was nothing else than a power play. That's yes, all. That I know.
1: Was. I know that. And that stopped about six years ago. I learned that was
3: my- a marital power play.
1: I learned my lesson.
3: Well oh too.
1: <laughs> yes. Anyone else? Anyone else? You got? Influential decisions. No, I mean Andre decisions. Jackson.
3: You you could think Andre Jackson. I think he's going to stay in because he's right, he's right on that fringe. Forward. He's um, got to go. You, you mentioned Jordan Walsh. It, it's it's a big decision. I'm not sure it really. It, it's it, he's a big defender, and I, I think he holds as much or more value in the NBA as he does in Arkansas. Uh, you
1: know why? You know why Zachary his decision, is the guy. Yeah, you know why his decision is interesting because I think Jordan Walsh's decision will impact Ron Holland's decision. So does Rod Holland go to Arkansas? Does he go to the G League? Does he go to UCLA, which is something that's kind of popped up here um, in recent days? So I think that's one where you can kind of see some dominoes a little bit. I had Amari Bailey written down, but I've kind of come around to the idea. I think Amari's probably gone.
2: He's gone. What does Oscar Shibwe project as?
1: Not drafted.
2: He should maximize in college.
1: He should. Do they have any
3: international games this year? Well, they no. they might
2: not now, To, but they might their-
3: be playing Purdue in Canada. Who's their coach? <laughs> they might be playing Purdue in Canada.
2: Weren't you know? surprised by Bettyaco news, guys? Just briefly, like Alabama's front court now in in some trouble. That's, uh, troubling. That's troubling for them.
1: A little bit, a little bit. He's a good player. Yeah, I mean, he. I wonder if. With Bettyako gone, yeah, right? yeah, um, I wonder if that's gonna open up the door for like a late pursuit of someone like an Ernest Uday. That's what I, if I was Nate Oates, that who I, that's who I would be on the phone with. But um, yeah, that was I don't think he's gonna get drafted. Like that's the
2: that's my thing.
1: I I, I don't know. Is he gonna where's he gonna go? I don't know. You no, know, like he's probably like a two way G League kind of a guy. So I guess Who, Oscar, no, no, Betty oh, Bettyako. Oh.
2: No, just that's Alabama. I mean,
3: two-way guy. I mean, yeah, I would agree with the two way situation. I don't understand why he would leave. Maybe because he doesn't want to play in a ball dominant system. He doesn't want to transfer somewhere else. Like a, a guard dominant system. Let me ask you guys this. Oscar's going to Europe, though. Like if he doesn't go to Kentucky, he's going to Europe. Like, why would you well I don't I, I don't quite understand that
1: one. Let me let me ask you guys this. Number two pick. Charlotte Hornets. You got I have a hot take here. You got LaMelo ball already, right? You got you kind of have the guy that you I would assume you think is going to be your point guard of the future point guard long term, right? Scoot Henderson, very much a a point guard. And for my money, I think that Scoot is probably the second best prospect in this draft. Yeah. If you have a guy like LaMelo, great passer, great vision, you probably want shooting around him. I think Brandon Miller's the third best prospect in this draft, but I think that there's a difference between him and Scoop. So who do you take there? Are you going Scoop? Are you going Brandon Miller? Do you go with the best prospect, even if it's not necessarily the best fit? Do you go with the best fit, even if, like, you're not guaranteed, like, if you're not convinced that LaMelo Ball is, like, 100% going to be your superstar long-term? What do you do? That To me, that's the most interesting one. T.O., you said you got a hot take. Hit me with it. Hot take, that. hot take. So, all right, if I'm thinking as a GM,
3: and I'm thinking about winning only, and I just wanted I want to I want to preface what I'm about to say with that. If I'm thinking about winning only, I'm not sure what Miles Bridges' situation is right now, but if I could get him on the cheap, I'd consider it. Then, okay. I would explore trade options for Lamelo. Yeah, to pair him with a, a, a maybe not a perennial All Star wing, but right there at that level. Bring him a winning wing that can get you buckets. Bring him in. I'd draft Scoot, and then I'd ride the Mark Williams train. Like there's a lot of options for Charlotte right here. And I like LaMelo ball. I really do. I think he's a talented player. He's big. He can, you know, create a lot of things off the bounce. He's flashy. Fans like him. I don't know how conducive it is to play off basketball once he finally gets there. If he finally gets there. I think Scoot is a he is a I'm trying to word this correctly.
1: Jason Hart called him Derrick Rose,
3: prime Derrick Rose. I think that's, I think that's, it's close. And he doesn't have those herky jerky movements as much, but he's every bit as powerful. I I would, I would jump on that and try to find some ways to keep the ball in his hands. If you draft him and have LaMelo there, LaMelo is no good off the ball. Like that's, that's, that's your issue. I I would draft Scoot. I'd try to find a way to trade LaMelo. And, That's not a shot at LaMelo, because I think he's a fringe all-star guy, maybe two years, three years, something like that, through the course of his career. I just don't know if what he does is necessarily all that conducive to winning. And I think Scoot Henderson could get you to a conference finals, to a conference finals eventually. Is that a hot take? Because I thought about that a lot. I thought about that a lot. Like, how could I get Scoot the ball, get LaMelo out of the way, and then find a way to have a bigger wing that could score, that could shoot, that could play off to the side of somebody like a Scoot that has that type of mentality, that type of athleticism, shot creation ability, not only for him but for his teammates. I think he's a generation-type point guard because of that athleticism. I don't think that Derrick Rose comparison is that far off. I think that's a good one. Early Derrick Rose. People People don't remember early Derrick Rose. Specimen.
1: Specimen MVP Derrick Rose. Specimen NBA Finals Derrick Rose. Specimen. I mean Warrior that kind of Derek guy. Rose. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm kind of with you there. Like I, I just the fit work makes to be more, done. Yeah. The fit makes more sense putting Brandon Miller next to Lamelo Ball, but then that means that you're investing everything in Lamelo Ball, and I'm not. I'm not ready to do that. I'm not either. I think he's oh. fantastic. I think Lamelo Ball is closer to. uh trey young than he is to luca if that makes sense does that make sense about
3: that think think about being if you get
1: if you get rid of if you get rid of him
3: you put the ball in scoots hands you bring miles bridges back for the minimum you can pay a lot of money to a three and then you have a five and mark williams who i think is a longtime pro because what he's good at is what's valued Mm -hmm. Uh, there's some pieces in charlotte to work with you got to put them together but there's definite pieces to play around with if you're willing to do so and if Michael's willing to let him do so.
2: Well, how much of a role does Michael have? He eh. talks to sell a major stake of the franchise right now. Yeah. Uh, the Hornets' level of direction really isn't there. Yeah. Uh, if I had to choose between going to Charlotte and Portland, I probably, I actually would choose the Blazers uh, because they've proven it more. They just have. Um, Charlotte at two. So what I think is interesting about this draft is you, you just said, and I don't disagree with you, that Scoot Henderson could make a conference finals, right? Um, you're talking about that. You're talking about that with a guy um, who's in the same draft class as a guy that we're proclaiming to be maybe the, the best pure prospect we've ever seen. Entering the NBA draft It just shows you like For what's been made about this class in general The top of it has a chance to be generational It really does My argument is this If the consensus is That Oh my If Scoot Henderson Is is there at three for Portland There is no way That you could ever pass on him you could ever pass on him, even though uh, they've got a Damian Lillard situation. There's a lot of people clamoring about Damian Lillard being traded. But if that's the argument to the degree, don't tell me that LaMelo Ball is the reason why you're not taking someone who could make the conference finals someday, who could be that type of player. Don't tell me that. You need to go after the best talent available at that number two slot. And I believe that at the age of 19, six foot two, six foot three, with a six foot nine wingspan, at the closer we get to this draft, I think the Scoot Henderson talk is only going to pick up. And in the last 18 months, having covered two of his games when he was with G League Ignite uh, about a year and a half ago, and having talked with him closely, at that point, spending about 20, 30 minutes with him one-on-one, 18 months ago, the the shy kid he was, to start of last year, and Jason Hart and, and Ignite, everybody around that program said, Scoot, if you're going to do this, you're you're ultra-talented, man. You're special. If you're going to do this, that swagger that you've got on IG – All that personality you've got, you have got to be a leader. You've got to talk, and you've got to take on ownership or else, you know, when you go up against Wembenyama, if you get overwhelmed, sorry, but whether you like it or not, you're not at Alabama. You're not at Duke. You get a one shot. You get one night to really showcase what your skill set is. The fact that he took on that live job interview in two hours against Wembe and, and was that good has only gotten better, is incredibly personable. You spend 10 minutes with the kid, you're like, wow. And the element with Charlotte, to your point, they might give Miles Bridges a deal. Miles Bridges in the back half of the 2021-22 season averaged close to 22 points per game. There are character issues there.
1: there yeah. are off the major, major, major character
2: issues. There are off-the-floor off the issues there. Yep. And whether anybody wants to hear it or not, Uh, NBA forgives. But the Charlotte Hornets, do they want to do a deal with Bridges and then also draft Brandon Miller? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. So that, to me, the character issues, they do exist. It's not severely knocking Brandon Miller's stock, but those things just don't go away. Uh, I, I would take Scoot.
1: Yep, I would too. Um, listen, this has been fun. We've been here for like an hour. Uh I didn't I told you guys we were gonna get this done in less than an hour. So I lied. It didn't work. That didn't work, that never works. It never works. I apologize. Fanta has to get to his uh his Big East baseball tournament. T.O. has to go get to the golf course because that's yeah, what right. T.O. does. trying to days. get
3: in this weight room, son. Are you yeah, kidding me? there you me? go.
1: There you go. Listen, Fanta's going to go hit the Waffle House. Fanta getting uh, smothered and covered for me. All right, bro? Smothered wait, and covered, wait, baby. There's a
2: Waffle House here, and look what's over to my left. A roof. Nope. Big sign. You don't see can't,
1: it? Can't see it. What is nope. it?
2: It's a Hooters. <laughs> skip
3: the hooters skip the hooters head to waffle house get some cheese on those eggs you're ready
1: there you go fellas this has been fun this has been the dtf podcast
4: it's happening daily we're being conned by the institutions we used to trust